Welcome to Writer Syndrome, a podcast about writing from start to finish. This episode's topic, setting and description. I'm Russ Capasso and joining me as always is Tim Lutney. Tim, want to describe your setting right now? Let me, where are you? I am, I am in a basement <laughs> in New Jersey. Uh, I'm surrounded by little toys and video game equipment. I mean, that's beautiful. Well done. And I'm staring at a bearded man. <laughs> this beautiful bearded man. <laughs> How about yours? What's your description, Russ? Look around. Uh, Looks like a lot of white walls, bud. Yeah, it looks like a Dexter's kill room, minus all the plastic. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, setting and description. Where do we begin? Where do we start with that? Uh, I don't know, man. I'm going to start with our own works, and I think I'm going to start People there. People are like, uh. Boring. <laughs> well, I would say that after I read yours a, a while, long time ago, I said, I think one of my, my comments was that your setting and descriptions of said settings was very good. And this is going to lead into, we're going to talk a little bit about our own stuff, because that's the whole point of this, really, but at the same time, not. But I think it's there's, there's interesting takes uh, from your experience because one i thought the descriptions were fantastic and i thought oh i'm, I'm at this bar i'm at this place i'm at this club i'm in look at the music and the, it smells like beer and piss and stuff like i was like oh this is great like i'm it's very very uh, visceral visual visual Vis visceral yeah visceral too right it's interesting right it's interesting what you choose to describe and what you choose to omit yeah um so i really did want to tap into my own experience and like what i noticed when i was like a bit younger and going to bars and shows mm. But for certain parts, I was a little concerned that I was describing too much, mm. like that maybe it'd be a, a slog or a snooze to get through. Yeah. So yeah, I tried to like land somewhere in between like over describing and under describing. Yeah. So yeah, because you don't want to overweight it, right? You don't want to, you don't overload it. You do want to give enough to, to set the, the reader in kind of a place that, uh, okay, I, I know I, I know the 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 spatial layout here and what's going on, and I got a good feel for it. When you were just doing some of your descriptions, uh, yeah, you had said like, oh, using your own experiences. Did you also apply to like maybe what the character themselves would think, or did you kind of always just think in your mindset of like, oh, I know what a club would be like, blah 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 blah. So for my descriptions, yes, I relied on my like memories, but always mm -hmm. I wanted it to be rooted in what was important to the character at the moment. Yep. I won't say always. Very often, that's the perspective that I took. Yeah. Like, especially when I was, if I'm trying to, in like that particular scene, use like limited third, it's very much how the character is existing in the space and what's important to them at the moment. But I'll tell you that sometimes I had these kind of broad descriptions of a building or a house mm. or a club, mm -hmm. which was really just like objective third or omniscient third where I'm coming in as a narrator and saying, this is what the space looks like yeah. to set a scene. And that feels a little archaic maybe, but it's, mm. I enjoy it as long as it's not a slog to completely get through. Yeah. I, I do feel like it helps set the the scene a little bit, like an establishing shot in, in a movie. I was just going to um, say, that's, that's what it sounded like to me. It's like a, that pullback of like, all right, here's where we are now. Now pull into like the characters. But, view, but that view, comes from me like learning the process, right? Like, Cormac McCarthy, I, we mentioned this a moment ago, like I just, I'm still kind of going through all the pretty horses and mm. some of the characters had just gotten to a hotel. The exterior of the hotel is not described. The interior of the hotel room is not described. What is described is that there is a shower. And it's the only thing that is important to those characters at that moment because they feel filthy and beaten down and they've just gone through something rather traumatic. Yeah. That shower to them 
is the most important thing. So McCarthy doesn't describe the bedspread or the paintings on the wall or even the smell of the room. None of that, because yeah. it's all ancillary to what's important to the characters in the moment. And to me, that's super sparse. Like, yep. But that's probably why he's like a master mm. writer. And I, I might have been like, like the dust motes played in the sunlight. Like I could have like <laughs> taken like that moment, but I don't know if a character would necessarily, those characters wouldn't have noticed that. Their, their eyes, I think, would go right to the shower. Yeah. So, um, well, that's a good point. And and tying the the setting and what what you're describing to what the character is going through, like that's a great example of like a character who's coming in, maybe covered in blood and mud, and just went through some chaotic thing. They're not gonna give a shit about the bedspread or anything else. They're gonna they're right. just gonna focus on the shower. Yeah. So that's yeah, I think that's a good thing just in general to 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 keep in mind. But I will say that sometimes I feel like as a reader, I can't picture it. I guess that's okay. But it yeah. feels kind of floaty. Yeah. Whereas Anne, I'm reading Anne Rice as well right now. And her descriptions, like, sometimes are very detailed. Yeah. yeah. And I just start skimming. <laughs> like, I don't care. How many times can you describe, like, a gas lamp? And, like, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a delicate balance, I think. The other interesting aspect of this, just using your, your story as a reference point here, is that you're writing, a like, a period kind of a period like a time period right so yeah um, so we're talking about setting yeah i mean the mine takes place in like 1977 downtown boston for the most part yeah like did people smell differently back then i don't know <laughs> <laughs> everybody was sepia toned <laughs> yeah, that's right right <laughs> there's some things that you can rely on for your own experiences for stuff like that but like how much research did you do for like the actual describing of the settings and stuff like you know we've talked about this before i used google maps and uh, you actually helped me with the, with one of my big end scenes with you sent me like a video of someone doing a walkthrough of the museum where I have like this big kind of action moment. And I was like, yeah. that was super. I watched the entire hour and a half. Like I just walk around with a camera. And I was like, this is very helpful. <laughs> he basically, yeah. he basically walked the guy walked through like the action scene I was trying to do. So yeah, same thing. So like for mine, I relied on uh, like still photography of downtown Boston at the time, like yeah. anywhere from like 75 to, to 80, I felt okay about yeah. but then like when it came to describing a club where one of my big kind of action beats takes place which is like the rat the rat skeller in boston i had never been there it had closed by the time i was kind of around yeah. and I, I used some still photography um and then i used like youtube videos of like cbgb's and max's kansas city and places in new york that i kind of transplanted to Boston, yeah. To Boston. I mean, same bands. I, I'm sure I'm I, I'm guessing similar fashion, but I didn't have a one to one. I, yeah. I, I couldn't do research as much research as I wanted to about that particular club. But so I just took that time period in a different city. Yeah, I think that's in different I think clubs. That's, I think that's fine. I think that's, you know, you're still capturing the same uh, feeling. I mean, uh, of what's going on within the scene with, the, with those bands playing. And especially, I mean, for me, it was like not only like setting, but descriptions like character descriptions and fashion is really important to my story. Yeah. So I had to like come up with like a portfolio of, you know, late 70s punk and disco and just general public fashion to kind of rely on yeah. what existed and what didn't exist, what was out and what wasn't out. I think in the end, I, I was I'm very it's accurate. My description of the yeah. late 70s is accurate down to the month. 
Yep. But it took a lot of doing, mm-hmm. especially even with music that was out, songs that were out, backpacks, cars. And you, know, you got me that I was being a little, a little too detailed. I kind of threw myself into that. I almost mm-hmm. like leaned into details and descriptions to like prove I had done my homework. Like, don't yeah. worry, everybody. This is accurate. Yeah. This is the type of helicopter and this is the type of Beretta. And it was too much. And I've actually reduced that a little bit. Even though I like want to get extra credit for my research, I, I think it was it's a little too um it was just too detailed. Yeah. Well, I mean, that comes back to one of our last episodes of the genre expectations too, right? Like you don't for your story is it necessary to describe things like particular things like the helicopter and the guns down to like the you know detail. It's almost you're you're kind of leaning into my my category of thrillers, like in my genre, like that'd be a little bit more expected, like, you know, yeah. getting, getting into those those details. So I think for me that it's another one of those instances that it's like a symptom of being a first time novel writer. Yeah, I've written a ton, but I want to make sure that it comes across that you're in good hands. I did my homework. Yeah. (laughs) But in a way, I think it also comes across if you do too much of it as like a little try hardy because you're right. I'm out of genre expectations that is not anticipated in the genre that I'm writing in. Like nobody cares that this type of gun was, you know, made in the late seventies. And this, this is what the cops used at the time. Like I can just say pistol or whatever. I don't need to like give such detail. Do you come across any settings that were, when you put the characters there, you're like, Oh man, this is a pretty boring location. (laughs) What do I do? That's a really good question. And while you're thinking about that, I definitely did because, like, a lot of mine was like, "Oh, oh yeah. man, we're in another goddamn conference room." How do I? Just... <laughs> the coffee, how, yeah, yeah. How much extra coffee and I don't know snacks are on the table this time? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and one of the things I did for like, I mean, yeah, it's like there's your FBI field offices were in like a NASA conference room. Like a lot of that, a lot of my locations are that. Um, and I started thinking about you know looking at just doing again research and looking at the conference rooms and stuff like that which is ridiculous but describing like the size of the tvs and or if they, there was windows they could overlook something or if maybe the the space needed windows i just put them in there and be like you could now describe the city skyline or something like that something else mm-hmm. also i think i lean more on because after a while you just there's only so much you can do in the conference room like, there's a table there's chairs you can lean into like the monotony of it and yeah. like the sterile nature of it, right? Yeah, like, and I, I actually started doing it because I was like, oh, maybe there's, this is, you know, it's part of the story. So getting into like the lights kind of sucking life out of people while they're sitting in this room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but actually giving characters more movement within the room, I lean more on that. Uh, to- but also, right, I mean, if it's a boring setting and your characters aren't taking anything in, you probably don't need to describe it at all, really. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't. It's like for the most part, which I think a lot of times my scenes are, there's a lot of scenes that were just kind of, it's quick, it's quick to the dialogue and the action because I think that's what's important, you know? Um, in the scene for, you know, most of the times it's, you know, get them in there and I get them all kind of situated in the space and then I get them kind of into conversation. But yeah, I, I, I ran into that quite a bit. So I, I my, my setup of, when a scene starts was, was always pretty short. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes I'm okay with that because it's, that's not the most important thing to the scene, but at least placing the, the characters within that room is important. I like 90% of my settings, Yeah, but there are some that definitely came out during beta reading, actually one in particular that I, that is boring, I think to a lot of people. And there's like a, a train. I've got like mm. some characters on the red line and most of my beta readers are very familiar 
with mm-hmm. that. I mean, it's the equivalent of an office space. It's like, oh, <laughs> it's a train. Like, yeah, yeah. Who, who cares? Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of wrestling with that right now. But otherwise, I feel like I've got like meatpacking plants and like, you know, junky heroin like bridges bridge, yep. <laughs> yes. um, um, the bridge is actually that was kind of a hard one i think but yeah I, for the most part i feel pretty good about where my characters are most of the time yeah. oddly enough i have the hardest time when i have my characters traversing the city because mm. it's huge and mm-hmm. it's where do you kind of point them yeah. if you yeah. want to <laughs> i mean because you could because it's so overwhelming it's not a space so it's really just I I leaned on like what the characters were doing and interacting with as opposed to, or or like I have like one bit where like, you know, the prudential feels like intimidating or imposing or something like big skyscrapery stuff. Yep. But I'd I'd say that's probably a potential weak area. I think it's maybe a little too big. I, I lean more on character movement than description. Yeah, I think it, it, kind of similar case. Like I've got a, I mean, my characters jump around to different locations, and there's definitely some really fun ones when they're at like the telescope. I mean, when they're outside and looking at these telescopes yeah, against the backdrop. That's a really of, like, cool setting of like nothing. It's like it's pretty cool because it's you got this crazy piece of technology out in the middle of just nature, which is kind of a nice juxtaposition there. And then the you know, main character goes to Seattle, and there's like a chase sequence through like the park. I really love that because just building up like the everyday life kind of passing by while this one character is dealing with something that just like crazy happened. Yep. Uh, those are fun. And then kind of touching on some of like the more touristy locations of Seattle was a lot of fun, but yeah, I got a lot of hotels. I got a lot of conference rooms, which I think I'm getting better at. And I think now looking back, I think in like my later drafts, I was, I was, I was injecting a little more life into those, like those kind of sterile settings. I think it's okay that I was like, describe them in a sterile way because I need to be. <laughs> yeah. I'll say like when I, even though I did have hesitation about doing those kind of, cause I'll tell you what, they didn't exist in my first draft, those setting descriptions that you say that you were enjoyed, thank God. Yeah. Those didn't exist in the first draft. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until second and third that I started inserting them. A little of it kind of came from at the time I was reading Kuntz and King, two yeah. very different approaches to setting and description. Yeah. Coons often does the establishing shot, whereas I, I think King is more of a what's important to the character at the moment. Yep. But I like kind of prosaic descriptions. Like I mm-hmm. personally have an affinity towards that. So my rule of thumb was that I can describe it as long as it's reflective on the character. Yep. So I can describe this person's house if it's reflective of like with their life or change that's coming up or something or what they're trying yeah. to break free of. It was never just description for description's sake. Yep. Um, And that was my rule of thumb. Whether that's right or not, it felt right at the moment to me that it wasn't just like, look how well I can describe a thing. It's like, yeah, yeah. describing this is building character at the same time. That is also kind of interesting thing. Yeah, building character while you're keying in the things that they may notice. And that might give you a little insight as a reader, might give you a little insight of like who this character is. And it's weird. Like some some settings and descriptions hit while others don't like. Yeah. I write about Fenway in, a, in like a Sox game. You liked that part. Yeah. But you also have a lot of experience being in the place. So who knows mm-hmm. what, like it, once again, like reading is a communal collaborative experience. So you're bringing your own experience. You're filling in the blanks of what yeah. I'm not describing. Yep. Whereas some other beta readers did not like that scene whatsoever. And if yeah. I had to guess, they probably weren't filling in the blanks like you were. And, and I don't know what that says about 
that scene for me if I need to add more or if I need to reduce or what. Yeah. Yeah. I just think they weren't Red Sox fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it was kind of interesting finding that, that, that balance. There was another thing I, I noticed. I, I did it. Man, my first couple drafts, was, I, it was literally stick figures like, and then they entered a room. There were lights. There was chairs. They sat. They talked. I was like, God damn, this is terrible. Uh, and I think what I did like in my later drafts and uh, I'm kind of holding off and doing it now because I'm pretty much like draft lock at this point, using some metaphors and like similes to like kind of describe mm. some of the space too and get it create and get like yeah. being a little more creative with it. You know, the tip of like use all the senses, right? To, to you know, or pull one or two, use all the senses, sure. but pull one or two that kind of really kind of get, get across the point of what the room or the space is like. Uh, I think initially I went in and I just was like all visual. I was just like telling, you know, and that's all I did. Yeah. And then later drafts, I was like, okay, give me a little more interesting. Like, what is, what is this character, you know, seeing, smelling, feeling even, you know, you know as yeah. you're walking into a room and I kind of touched on like in one scene where uh, my, my hacker character meets up with my two main characters and she walks into a room. I like to even describe her footsteps walking into the room because like the shoes she was wearing and like the floor was like, you know, kind of quiet as if she was sneaking yep. up on them. That's great. I feel like that kind of gets conveys this character. Like she will sneak up on you. She that is hopefully what people get across. So uh, it's interesting because like you talk about like stick figures and not going into much description. McCarthy does that, but he builds. Like yeah, I'm just finishing up this book, and it was like the description was very broad. Not many sights and smells for a long time. Yeah, but then we get to like the the climax of the book, and then there's metaphor sights and smells yeah, sticky yeah. blood like it really amps up to the point like one of my beta readers was like hey your metaphors are great but geez there's one page where you've got like four of them and i'm like okay <laughs> i need to like i'm doing too many his, yeah. his his feedback was sometimes i was making him look and imagine so many different things it was taking him away from the scene mm, yep and then i just came across and this isn't like a justification of mine because i do think i need to reduce in some places but i do think sometimes my metaphor is strong um i just came across a section in the the climax of all the pretty horses it's three or four in a row like yeah. rapid fire yeah and i was yeah. like whoa like <laughs> yeah. it, even established authors sometimes do it. And I think it was very, very intentional. Yeah. And I almost feel like McCarthy was holding back until that moment for maximum effect. Like, maximum effect, yeah. Yep. Which is it was really interesting, right? Like having those tools and being so restrained in their usage mm -hmm. until you need them. Uh, that's kind of, that is interesting because I, I, I had a similar issues where I was using too many like similes or, you know, metaphors in like a kind of rapid succession. And my editor was like, hey, you got three in a row here. Pick one. Yeah. You know, I like this one, yeah. but choose the one you like. And then save those other two and use them somewhere else. And I was like, ah, yes. <laughs> economy of words and it's okay. I don't have to just delete those. I can place them somewhere else because they're, they are, you know, good and descriptive. So I guess, I mean, when I say metaphor, I guess I mean simile for mine. Yeah. I might overuse simile. I don't know. Yeah. I'll, I need to go through. I mean, no matter what, I've got to like rein it in a little bit. Where do you find, uh, and this might just, I think it's just a kind of a general, I don't know, maybe it's a general rule of thumb, but I, 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 I'm kind of basic 101, but getting into that description, did you, I mean, Typically, it's going to happen within like the first paragraph of like a scene, right? You because you want to kind of give that establishing like, here's where everyone is, and then maybe as they're moving through the space, you can 
add in some more or what's the line of like getting to the action versus like letting the reader know where they, where they are, you know? I, I mean, I feel like it's different for everybody. Yeah. I, I'd say it's even probably different by scene. Yeah. And like what you're trying to get out of it. I, I don't know. It, it's something that I think I'm still figuring out. I think it's part of, it's like author craft and almost approach yeah. in your own personality, like what you're deeming important in that minute. Yeah. That second. I bring it up because like one of some feedback I got from a, a beta reader was that I wasn't giving enough of like describing the, the, the space in the world, but I was like, well, I don't want to, I don't want those details. Uh, and I don't want the technical details to interfere with the point of the scene and what I'm trying to get across. And I don't know where the balance was, you know? And I, I think you're right. It's, it depends on the author and kind of what you're trying to, to get across. But I reread some of those scenes. I'm like, I just don't, I can get into these details about how they are, you know, visiting a website and, and or doing their technical, um, uh, you know, jargon. I don't want to all of a sudden interject, interject that into the scene where it's like, actually the most important part of this is them making a decision to go somewhere or have a reflect or, or a reflection of something about their, themselves. Mm-hmm. So I kind of I've kind of been kind of battling with that in in a lot of the scenes I've got, um, but I'm sticking with how'd my you, my gut on some of it. So how do you deal with character descriptions? Because I feel like same thing. Those are like vastly different approaches. You can yeah. Like once again, um, not to hammer it down, but the juxtaposition between reading McCarthy and reading Anne Rice is night and day. Like nah. the character descriptions for McCarthy, at least in the book that I'm reading now, is very sparse if yeah. if at all really it's more like language and action and it's not so much like the color of their hair and whereas Anne Rice is very much like so detailed when it comes to that that yeah. like I don't even get an option to imagine it it's like these are the characters you will picture them this way and it's kind of what I do like I'm very much these are the characters you will picture them this way yeah. and like whereas McCarthy feels more collaborative to me, unless I totally missed a part, which is possible. I, well, a lot of times I find like with McCarthy, he, and a lot of other writers, you'll, you'll get kind of like just a, like a broad brushstroke right off the bat. And the idea is to get mm-hmm. them into the, get the characters and get you get the reader into the scene. And then all the other details are kind of, kind of splashed across other chapters as you go. Right. Like mm-hmm. I don't need to, I don't need to come out with my, as soon as I introduce a character and come out with like, here's my full profile, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> 27 years old, short, dark hair, uh, five, nine, blah, 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 blah. Like I don't, that's definitely like, it's just a bunch of exposition and, and info dumping about something like, right. Gets the action, give maybe one context, you know, he's got a, he's wearing a gray hoodie or something or whatever. But yeah, I have the same problem because I gotten feedback about that as well. I was like, I don't know who this character is. Like, well, over time you're going to read it. And I do trickle mm. more information about what they look like and, those pieces are out there. It's also like giving the reader an opportunity to kind of fill in some of those gaps for themselves. Cause like you said before, it's like, well, that kind of takes, takes the, the fun or interest, I guess, out of reading where, cause like the, that's the whole point is like, it's a guide. And then I think the reader kind of fills in some of those gaps of like, I mean, as a reader, I'll tell you, there's sometimes where I'll, I will get a character description that an author provides and my brain's like, nah, I don't want to picture him that way. Yeah. <laughs> and it just fills something else in entirely. So yeah. I think it also gives yeah. the reader an opportunity to shape the character to be them in a way. Like they want to follow this main character sure. around. Obviously, that's depending on you know what you're reading and everything. Then who the main character is. But I don't know. A lot of times in my mind, I would you would want that vagueness so the reader can then just kind of place themselves almost in that spot. I don't know. I think there's looking back. 
at mine. I also know that of my main characters, like I had one, I had one down, had them like pretty visually picked out and like knew what they looked like. And some of that was kind of important just to the backstory. And the other two were kind of a little more generic and I yeah. added a little more life to them and, and, you know, subsequent drafts and started adding some of these details, but I didn't, I didn't do it all up front. And I did it like throughout chapters and you kind of start piecing together who this, what this person might look like. So can I take us on the smallest of a tangent here? Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking about like the impossibility, like once there's a film, a filmic adaptation of a movie, mm. I cannot picture anybody but the actor yeah. in that role. Yep. Like Lord of the Rings, Interview with a Vampire, and like the Bourne series. Yep. No matter how they're described in that moment, I'm like, no, it's the actor. <laughs> Do you use actors like as... When you're picturing your characters, do you have actors in mind or do you just have your own creation of the character in mind? Both. Depends. Both. For the first book, like I was still trying to figure that all out. And I, th for two of the characters, I used kind of actors as like a you know benchmark. Second book, I did, I leaned into it a little bit more just to kind of first get a, a visual going in my head. And I, I had like a picture of the actor and like the profile, of the character. And then I deleted the picture of the actor and I was like, okay, now I'm just going to move with what I have and kind of shape it mm -hmm. from there. So it was kind of like a benchmark and then kind of reshape this character, but I didn't want to be too, too stuck on a particular look. Um, Cause everyone would mm -hmm. be like, wait a second, that's that actor from blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I use it more as like a benchmark to kind of sometimes get started visually. And then I'll just scrap the picture and then kind of build from there. I didn't have any actors in mind for mine. Um, mm. I started with like historical photos of mm -hmm. like people at the time. Yeah. And, um, but I did have one famous person in mind. Like I think like, like a young Joan Jett was okay. like the basis of my main. Yep. Um, it's not like a one-to-one, -one, but I'll say that there's like great inspiration in, in some of those images. Yeah. Same thing that I kind of like, put it on the side and like it sat there and then I kind of tucked it away and, and then moved yeah. forward with her, but which kind of makes sense since, you know, it's funny. You mentioned the, uh, the, this I was going to say earlier, you mentioned the, um, after seeing a movie and then reading the book and then like, okay, that actor's locked in. I I'm reading, hey, we're on a Carmen McCarthy kick. It seems like, so I, I'm like, I know I'm like halfway okay. through. Yeah. That's I'm a halfway great through, kick to be on, but I also started reading no country for old men and mm. the opening little diatribe. I'm like, yeah, this is Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, yeah. This yeah. is the sheriff. And then like they start and then he get like the next scene, it jumps into uh, Sugar there, like choking the deputy. And I could just picture a scene from the movie. I'm like, yep. Yep. So when I read No Country, same thing. I, I pictured the movie. Yeah. Yet, luckily, I read The Road before seeing the movie, before seeing the movie. Yeah. So, so I had first. like my own imagination to fill in those blanks. Now, yeah. when I think back on it, it's Vigo Morton. It's Vigo. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Vigo. I'll tell you, I had the hardest time with Blood Meridian. I need to read it again. That thing feels like a fever <sighs> dream to me. Yeah, I don't. I agree. That one, I, I have no idea. I, I was like, at the, at the end, I was like, I think I knew what happened. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I mean, it's like a horror movie. I, I got to read it again. I mean, I'll tell you right now, like not to keep harping on McCarthy, but reading so much of him right now was very helpful as I go back in my piece and edit. Yeah. As I edit things out. Um, obviously, it won't be as sparse, but I think a lot of the time in the drafting of my book, I'm finding the story and I'm finding the setting and I'm finding the description as I go. Mm -hmm. And I'm a little wordy or repetitive to get there. 
there's a lot of stuff that I'm coming across that can just be deleted. That's like covered once and does not need to be rehashed or refashioned. Yeah. So yeah. the sparseness of McCarthy's writing at points has been um, very, very helpful. Like there's, the, I think, a confidence in it. I think there's a confidence in his writing. Yeah. So wrapping up the the settings and descriptions, uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be for everyone, uh, but using the sensory details, using like those, those kind of going through each one of those as, as a character enters a room and thinking about what they might spot or what they notice. And based on what the situation is, I think your example of like characters covered in blood <laughs> coming into a room, all they're cared about is a shower is, is, yeah. is a fantastic way to like, it's a great analogy of just being like, that's the thing that they're going to notice. That's the thing to describe. I also like the, um, I mean, it won't be for everybody, but I like the idea of trusting the reader to come to the table with their own idea. Like you don't need to fill in every square for them. Yeah. They're going to fill it in. So if anything, if you give them too much, it might get exhausting. Keeping it simple and not going too overboard where like it, the reader gets it, where that becomes a focus and not what you're trying to get across of like what the, the importance of the scene, right? What What is the important part of the scene? I mean, we've already been talking about a lot of the stuff we've been reading, but um, have you been reading else? You've just been on the, the All the Pretty Horses right now. Yeah, I mean, this All the Pretty Horses, an interview with a vampire. Um, I will probably yeah. move on to another McCarthy book, and I might move on to Vampire Stat, because even though I'm not enjoying Interview with a Vampire, <laughs> that's like, probably wrong. I, I'm enjoy, I've enjoyed like 20% of it, maybe. Yeah. There's moments of it that I've, I've enjoyed, but it, they're, they're, they're fleeting. But yeah, other than that, no, I'm, I'm, it's the, just those two books for now. Yeah. And then um, as far as watching, I, re I watched... Um, the original Blob, which was great. I'd never seen it before, which is crazy. Yeah. And then I watched the remake, like the 88 remake, which was co-written by Frank Darabont, by the way. Oh, really? Crazy. Did not know that. Um, did not realize. It's fine. I'm really happy that I didn't watch it before I started writing my book because that movie must have lived in my subconscious. <laughs> Same with, I started watching Chud as well. Same thing. I think those movies yeah. live in my subconscious. I mean, it was just, even though they're, they're, varying degrees of, of quality um they were formative for me so yeah. uh, there's certainly a lot of dna from those those movies in in my book how about you what do you i i'm i'm pulling a you now i i know you're you you like to read across many books at one time uh yeah it's yeah. it's it's great. You yeah, interview with the with the horses or something. <laughs> my brain would mash those together. <laughs> All the pretty vampires. All the pretty vampires, yeah. Uh, I actually, so I think last time I was, I had started the the Black Dahlia. I finished that. Um, James Elroy, L.A. Noir, you know, detective, late 1940s stuff. Kind of a classic in that genre, you know, crime crime fiction at that time and taking place around the real Black Dahlia murder, but having these fictional characters kind of go through their own stories. Uh, very good. I, I very much enjoyed it. It's, um, you know, talking about setting and description, description of the <laughs> description of of the, the crime scenes i was like yeah i can oh picture. is it really gratuitous yeah, i was like i can picture this uh it's it's not so oh, much wow. as gratuitous but it's just it is just it's visceral it is there it's like okay but it's you know part of like a crime scene like this is what this detective is seeing like this is what they're investigating right so they ha mm -hmm. kind of has to get into those details uh, and I'm just like, ugh, ugh. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm having the same, which is great. Cause like I'm having kind of the same reaction that like the characters are having when they see this and they're just kind of like, they react to it. It's not like they're like, oh man, here's another body that's been cut in half. It's like, <laughs> you're kind of like, this is kind of gross. I don't feel good. 
Yeah. Uh, and like, even in the autopsy scene, like again, just going through it in like even more detail and getting into like kind of the more technical aspects of doing an autopsy, which that's the scene and that's the kind of the point. And even that scene, the character, the character's like, I had to look away and I was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> you know how sometimes, especially in low budget movies, but the, I mean, they'll say it for all movies, you know, it's okay to cut away from something that's gratuitous because what the reader can imagine or what the it's viewer can worse. imagine is <laughs> way worse. Yet I don't think that works for books. No, no. I think you got to get in there. Yeah. I think, I think you kind of do. I mean, and especially again, the, the genre and what this was, uh, and it, but it, it was good. I very much enjoyed it. It gets like, I don't want to give spoilers for it, but it gets a little kind of crazy convoluted towards the end, but, mm-hmm. um, uh, still, still very much enjoyed it. Uh, and I'd read more, more of his stuff. And then I started the Sutri Sutri. I keep pronouncing it incorrectly. I don't know how to pronounce it. Like I said earlier, it's, um, it is the most beautiful, boring book I've ever read. And it's like, yeah, there's, you'll spend an entire chapter kind of doing nothing. But I think that's the point. It takes place in like the late forties. You're following this character and I think it's Memphis, Tennessee. And he's, it seems like he's kind of transient or like a homeless borderline homeless kind of just living life uh came out of prison basically just living the day of the life of this character throughout the book and over time and you kind of start learning more about the character and why they went to jail and and it's more of like you're the the character is like the eyes for you the reader of this world and the time period so descriptions get detailed but then you're like, wow, this is such a mundane thing. But I think that's the point of it. It's interesting, but I'm like halfway through that. And then I just started No Country for Old Men. And I got just through like the first chapter to different, definitely a different fi- uh, feeling and vibe already of, of uh, compared to Sutri there. But yeah, those, uh, those are the two. And then I've got, um, I get The Perfect Spy by John Lacar. John Lacar, the spy you are reading a lot of books man yeah i gotta get through them uh and yeah it's good uh the i just read the first chapter and i was like i don't know what's going on (laughs) so it jumps around it's definitely like third third omniscient and jumping like head hopping from different characters and jumping scenes Uh, all in the same chapter and just like every paragraph so i'm like i don't know what's going on uh a lot of characters introduced um yeah that's about it. Well, that's it. I think that's it. That's our that's our that's our episode. What do we got that's, next? I think next we are going to dive into launching a book. Because you will be launching a book. <laughs> I will be launching a book uh, in the next uh, month or two. Oh, I'm so jealous slash inspired. That's yeah. awesome. Get in there. Get it. Get it. Get it. So yeah, we're gonna be talking about kind of launching a book. There's a lot to it. A lot of steps involved. Uh, hopefully, I'll know more as we get there, and I will talk about all the mistakes I made going to get there. Uh, so that's our episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, think someone else might pass along to them. Let them know. If you've got a topic idea or any feedback, you can find us on Twitter. Still, we're doing that. Uh, writer, we're back uh, and Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah. So Twitter, you can find us at writer underscore syndrome and run Instagram. We're just building that up. So go go follow that. And we're going to uh, get into sharing some of the books that we're reading and stuff like that. That's uh, writer syndrome books. If you want more episodes and more contact info, you can find us all of that at writersyndrome.com. Guests join us next time. And until then, just uh, keep, keep uh, writing, but keep it simple. Yeah. Right? Sounds good. All right. All right, we're done.